0: There, you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, good morning. It's morning for me. and. I am sitting on the terrace outside of our rooms. The wind is feisty and random this morning. It's making a chilly morning where just a week ago it was sweltering hot. Even pregnant Eloise, that's the cat that I've named, is feeling frisky and she's leaping around the terrace chasing scraps of plants that are blowing about. It's adorable. Our neighbors above us sing out Calimera when they spot us coming out to settle in with the coffee. They have music going that's setting a strange mood, though. It's a collection of theme songs from Hollywood sci-fi movies, Blade Runner and Terminator so far. (laughs) It's a little weird. I'm struck again by the jarring disparity between my present environment and the events I am trying to recall. My desk in Nyack had come to be a neutral zone where memory could roam freely, unimpeded by real-time textures and soundscapes. In the fall of 1995... I was in the temperate zone of Palisades, New York. Labor Day had just passed and we were all headed back to school. I'm someone who always loved school, so this time of year feels rich with possibility to me. New people to meet, new alliances to form, fascinating things to learn. I had already spent a week with Kathy setting up our classroom so that everything would be in readiness for when the kids arrived. A Montessori classroom is carefully arranged to stimulate learning by attracting attention at a height of 2.5 feet or below. In order to know how the kids will be using the space, the adults have to get down to their level at every opportunity to see how they see, what will draw their eyes. Montessori maintained that a child will craft their own education, that they will direct themselves, and that all an adult needs to do is offer options and sensorially compelling materials. It was this basic tenet of the philosophy that first resonated with me as truth. The idea that an individual can be led to fulfill their own soul's mission by following the prompts of their intuition and not suffering through an imposed curriculum devised by a team of other people. A big component of the teacher's work is to observe the kids. Just sit and watch and take notes. This is why there are two teachers for 16 kids, so that we could take turns observing while the other teacher was presenting materials. As a first-year teacher, I had a year-long project to follow five students for the whole year and record their development. We had a mixed-age classroom of three to six-year-olds, so I would be choosing two three-year-olds, one four-year-old, and two five-year-olds. In theory, we had done everything we could to prepare for the first day, and I knew what my role was. But the final component was the addition of the human element, the kids. And that is the unpredictable part. As a mom, I had done my best to tell Dakota what his new school might be like. He had been to playgroup, but this new school day would be double the amount of time that he had spent at Playgroup. The plan was that we would travel to school together, but he was supposed to leave at noon with the three and four-year-olds while the kindergartners stayed on for lunch and an extra hour of more advanced work. Meanwhile, Savannah was starting first grade at the River School, so she would be going to school on the bus, and hopefully we'd be getting home just before she was dropped back off. The schedule was a bit tight, but I hoped that it would work out okay. The first day of school finally arrived. Savannah's bus was late, of course, but Dakota and I took off just in time to make it to school. The plan was that on the first day, the kids would come in with their parents and that parents would stay for the first circle. Our days began and ended with all of us in a circle doing a group activity, such as hearing a story or singing a song. Needless to say, that first circle was chaotic. And when the parents got up to leave, anxiety set in. The older kids were a huge help as they modeled how school should go, but a couple of the little ones started wailing and it took a while to calm them. One of them, Yi Feng, a three-year-old who seemed not to even speak too much English, was absolutely inconsolable. Kathy put me in charge of her as she tried to corral the rest of the kids by involving them in some brief lesson. We had to keep them in the classroom for just an hour, and then take them outside to show them the playground. Just an hour. It was an eternity, as Yifang wailed steadily, as each minute ticked slowly by. Eventually, we were gathering the kids into the closing circle and trying to explain how we would be proceeding to the playground. Yifang was in my arms, still sobbing. Her distress was contagious, so I took her into an empty adjacent classroom. This seemed worse somehow, and as soon as I sat down in a small chair with her draped over my shoulder, she vomited down my back and into my left shoe. I gently put her down on her own chair and did my best to clean it up. My shoe was made of canvas and thus unsalvageable, so I just abandoned it. Minutes after vomiting, Feng finally quieted, and I decided perhaps it was safe to bring her back in to join the group. Kathy looked at me as I entered, in my wet shirt and my bare left foot. She looked alarmed, but I shook my head. I would not be putting that shoe back on. We made it through that first day somehow. Yifang and I bonded, and she became one of my observation subjects. In the early days, she followed me around like a duckling. I was her safe space. I discovered to my amazement that not only could she speak English, but at the precocious age of three she could already read quite a bit of it. Even though parents had chosen this school, it seemed that the kids who came to us were somehow a select group of interesting characters. They were all very intelligent with a wide scope of interests. We had one child who already spoke six languages at the age of four. I found myself learning as much from them as they from me, and this would be a continuing theme throughout my 25 years of teaching. Dakota came to love his teachers and his classroom friends. We worked out a schedule for him to go home for the extra hour with one or another friend while I finished my school day. Savannah was enjoying the challenges of first grade, but she balked at riding the bus after the first couple of weeks. It was a small bus, and it picked up kids in a range of ages to be distributed at a couple of different schools in Nyack. After a few occasions of tearful refusal to board the bus, Savannah confessed to me that a couple of older boys on the bus had threatened to wrap her violin around her throat after one had tripped over it one day. She was truly scared of them. The next morning I got on the bus first and got in their faces threatening them, in turn, that if they ever touched my kid, there would be hell to pay. It turned out that some genius at the bus company thought it would be fine to put first and second graders on the same bus with 15-year-olds who were going to some kind of reformed school. As soon as I got that piece of information, I did not let those guys rest until they separated those groups into their own buses. I am not some rabid helicopter parent By the way, that term would not actually be coined for another decade. But woe to the person who tries to hurt one of my kids. They will awake the lioness and they will tremble in fear. As the kids grew and changed with each passing month and year, I felt ever more certain that I was born to be a parent and that no matter what other career path I might choose going forward, it had to complement my primary calling as a mom. This was not the case with Dave. He loved the kids, to be sure, but he sought clear distinctions between his time as a dad and the times that he wanted for himself. He really wanted to compartmentalize his time in order to have chunks of time to himself for his own pursuits. Playing guitar, working in the yard, having time alone with his wife. Whereas I was always organizing activities in such a way that we could do things as a family. This was slowly and quietly becoming a chafing point between us. It simply didn't compute that he wouldn't want to be with the kids every chance he got, especially as they were getting older and starting to have social lives of their own. I felt that I could just see the time slipping away. I could project these patterns into the future. I knew that our time with them was fleeting and I wanted to fully experience every precious moment. Okay, not the moment when one night, as Dave and I were in the throes of passion, I opened my eyes to see Savannah peering wide-eyed over the side of the bed. I gasped and pushed Dave aside to cover myself with a sheet. That was a moment that scarred me, perhaps. A moment that contrasted Dave's desires with my own. It may have marked a turning point. And I'll tell you more about that in the days to come. Thank you for being here. I'll see you soon.